Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to this week's Man of the Post Extra Time. I'm your host, Chris. Uh, with me this week, uh, I have got Jesse. How are you? I'm okay. Fabulous. Right, listeners, it is uh, mid-August. We're really recording this on the 15th, so it's mid-August. Autumn is coming. Uh, he lives okay. in the north, so he's probably already right. got snow. It's uh, Nathan. It's mid-August. Sorry, Jesse? It's not mid-August. Did I say mid-August? It's mid-September. Oh my gosh, mid-September, so yeah, the snow must definitely be with you. Yeah, I mean, we're not far off, but, um, although it, it has been in double figures, which up here is just unheard of, so I'm actually looking forward to embracing the snow when it comes into the hurry up. I've got to be honest, there's been a chill in the air this week, and it's a very welcoming chill. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, someone someone compared sleeping the week, last week, it was like sleeping in a... Um, McDonald's apple pie. <laughs> I mean, is it the sound weird, but I can't get where they're coming from. <laughs> I do as well. It was horrible. <laughs> uh, right, so we're going to talk about international games that have happened. Um, we're going to talk about bits and bobs of news, look at fixtures coming up this weekend around the world and in the Premier League as well. So, first of all, um, it's a shame he's not here actually. Uh, we're going to talk about Scotland. Uh, Scotland 1, England 3. Goals from. Jude Bellingham, Harry Kane, Phil Foden for him, Gary Maguire, uh, own goal in the second half, all one back for Scotland. Um, you saw the first 20 minutes or half an hour or so, didn't you, Nathan? How unplayable was Jude Bellingham? Um, yeah, he's just, he's just a monster, isn't he? he? He's just an absolute monster. Um, and it's frightening that he's English. We don't, we, we, we don't get these players. We don't get these like global superstars like Ballon d'Or, potential winners. Mm. And yet we've got a lad who could quite possibly dominate for the next 10 years. And it's weird because it's he's because he's so young as well. If you'd sort of said five years ago, obviously he'd yeah. be nowhere near the radar because he was sort of a spotty youth. But, you know, he, he, he's still so incredibly young. You know, it's hard yeah. to think that just a couple of years ago he was at Birmingham City. Yeah, I mean, I saw on Twitter the other day that um, someone said, you know, we all laughed when Birmingham retired his shirt when he left. Mm, we did. And actually, Birmingham are probably thinking, you know, well, it's our turn to laugh at all of you right now. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest, like you say, he's still young. He's not, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, but he's not actually won anything yet. But, on the pitch, he is a phenomenal talent. He's, he's easily, comfortably, a top three best player in the world, comfortably, at the moment. Oh, that's quite clean. I, I'm going to go with it. You're going to go with that? I'm going to go with it, yep. Jesse, do you concur with that? Um, no, only because I can't, you know, my brain doesn't do, like, rankings and numbers. Okay. So I don't not, I just don't. But I fully agree with everything else um, that Nathan said. I think just 
age and he doesn't you know he's sort of as young as he is already outlasted that flash in the pan that we sort of mentioned last week Mm. you know that you you see young players come on the scene they have one incredible game and then they're touted as the next big thing and then they're fine and there's this crushing sense of disappointment um he really has already proven himself and his talent and his teamwork he makes everything look so easy i mean the way he's slotted yeah. into real madrid is effortless the way yeah, he it's, it's like he he's like a baby ronaldinho you watch him and you think that he's still playing with his buddies you know yeah. after school yeah absolutely i mean it's an incredibly hard thing to do what he's done at his age but yeah he just makes it look he just looks fearless with it as well as well as making it look easy he looks confident with it as well yeah yeah and i think as well playing abroad has helped i feel like if he'd have played in england it might have not necessarily not necessarily stunted his his talent but i think the english have, have got a we've, we've got a bad history of like sort of shunning these players who could be superstars like i'm thinking in my mind, the one that comes to mind straight away is Glenn Hoddle. Like he was absolutely just like nobody in England understood what he was all about, and yet probably should have been England's best player and still talked about and revered. Now, yeah. In the same sort of light as you know your top top players from from that era. Do you reckon? I just think that the fact that the fact that Belgium has been able to show his talent and grow in Germany in Dortmund, who were you know notorious for churn, you know finding these players, polishing them and sending them out to the world. And then, like you said, the, the seamlessness of how he's gone into that Real Madrid team, which is stacked with stars, and he's already, from from the outside looking in, he already looks like a leader in that team. Yeah. Do you reckon if Matt Letizia or Joe Cole have been nurtured in the same way, they could have um, had a better England career, do you think? Very possibly. Very possibly. I do think that there is... That there is still this English mentality of, you know, we don't quite trust players who are who are individuals who are who are who have got a bit about them, a bit of flair. We just we don't know what to do with that, so we shun it. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Um, should we talk about Harry Maguire? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not be mean about him because his mum's come out and said, you know, stop being such meanies, but. Listen, Own Goal has had an incredible last few years. Some, I think, would say that Own Goal is maybe, you know, the best player of our generation. Do <laughs> um, you know what? I felt a bit sorry for him when he came on and all the Scotland players were che- fans were cheering him and you think he's, he's just like, he's just a, a lightning rod for all this sort of stuff. And it was inevitable that if he was going to, if anyone was going to score an Own Goal, it would be him. I kind of felt sorry for that because I didn't really sort of see what else he could do other than try and block it. Um, Gareth Southgate has obviously had a response to this and he's, he's not knocked the Scotland fans he says I sort of expect opposition fans to do this he's, he's more talking about sort of um, the reaction in England towards Harry Maguire have we all been a bit mean towards him Jesse? You know this is such a I cannot believe I'm going to say this but something about him makes it so easy like I'm he might be a lovely person but he doesn't look like a football player. Like, there's something about him that every time I see him on a... I'm, I'm, sh- I'm like, surprised every time he's there. Like, this is the... Per- really? It's like his... He's not... He's, like, klutzy? Like, he just doesn't... I just don't understand Harry Maguire on a football pitch. Is he like a loyal, stupid dog? 
No, because golden retrievers, like, you want to hug. I have no desire to hug Harry Maguire. Really don't. Um, I, I, He just doesn't make sense to me. Nathan, would you like to hug Harry Maguire? Uh, no. No, that's not, <laughs> not on my agenda. I'm not going to lie. Um, it just... You couldn't write it, could you? You just... It had to be him, didn't it? It, it did. Had to be him. <laughs> like... He can't even give himself a break. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, you know, when your mum starts coming out and fighting your battles, it's like, oh, this is not a good look, is it? Do you know what I mean? But, you know, fair play to his mum, you know. That's a maternal instinct that, that every parent has. And I mean, Ruby Alex's mum went to church and then hospital for him. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, you know, she's, you know, curious to his mum. But, yeah, I mean, for me, the big, the big question, I mean, People are saying that, you know, this is just a Harry Maguire thing. It's not. If you replace Harry Maguire with any other player in the world and give them the same sequence as events that Harry Maguire has had, they would be getting the same the same abuse. Mm. Yeah. I don't, I... Think, I, don't, I don't think it's all directed at Maguire. It's directed at the sequence of events, and unfortunately, he's the guy at the centre of it all. That's a really good point. But yeah. also shows that, like, it's more than just Harry Maguire in scoring this one on goal, though. It's Harry Maguire sort of in his career. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what the hell happened between, you know, travelling, what, an hour, hour and a half up the road to Manchester from Leicester? What happened? I mean... Harry Maguire got booed louder, as far as I saw, than Jordan Henderson. And, like, that sucks. Yes. Yeah, you don't really want to be in that position, do you? Um, I mean, was he ever an £80 million player in the first place? Absolutely not. No. Leicester obviously <laughs> saw United not. coming. Yeah. Um, oh, quick word on Eddie Nketi. He called up for England, said how nice it was to be called up for England, didn't play a single minute for England. I mean, make it make sense. Yeah, it seems a bit mean, doesn't it? Well, well what's, what's the point? You know, you had a, you had a perfect opportunity in, a, in, a, in one of the most pointless friendlies ever. Like there was just no need for it whatsoever. Go, go, play. Why would you not rotate the, the entire eleven? I was to say, what's the point of playing Harry Maguire in that game? It's not as if you're going to learn something new about Harry Maguire, who's already played for England like I don't know, eighty times or something. Yeah, why are you playing Harry Kane up front? We know no, Harry Kane. Kane sorry, I got my Harrys confused. Sorry, yeah, 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 Harry yeah, yeah. Kane. Yeah, that's yeah. who I meant. Yeah, we all know what Harry Kane can do. Yeah, you know, he, nothing, nothing's changed about him. You know, you, you play him in that role. He's now. He's what, sorry? He's German now. Yeah. He is, and he scored tonight for the Bayern uh, Munich. Um, top of the table clash between them and Bayern Leverkusen. He's uh, he's already scored. Apparently, Granit Xhaka let him, um, uh, lost him as his marker for a corner, Nathan. Well, at least he's doing it for Liverpool. If he's going to do it, do it in that fixture, not in, not in the uh, other fixtures around Europe this week. Um, I'm just going to really go through the um, qualifiers that happened this week. So in Group A, um, Spain 6, Cyprus 0, Norway 2, Georgia 1. So um, Switzerland are top on 15 points. Spain are on 9 points. Norway are just outside the qualifying places in 7th uh, positions. I think the top team goes through to automatically to the Euro. Second team goes to the playoffs. So third team sort of need to make ground up uh, if you bear that in mind as I read these next fixtures um, Group C Italy 2 Ukraine 1 Molten 0 uh, 
Uh, North Macedonia 2, uh, that's England's group. So England are top on 13 points. Italy are in second place on 7. And then uh, both Ukraine and North Macedonia just outside that playoff place, both on 7 points as well. Um, group F, Belgium 5, Estonia 0, Sweden 0, Austria 2. So Belgium and Austria are top on 13 points. Uh, Sweden on 6, so they lost out there losing to um, Austria. They could have really close that gap. Uh, group I, Israel 1, Belarus 0, um, Romania 2, Kosovo 0. Uh, Switzerland, no. I've already said Switzerland, haven't I? That's Switzerland. Yeah, no one's, we're not going to say anything. <gasps> yeah, we, we didn't know. Oh, <laughs> Scotland. Sorry, Scotland at the top of Group A. Do you know what? I was trying so hard. I've written S stroke land. I'm trying so hard not to say Sunderland. I said Switzerland by mistake. So that's, Scot <laughs> that's Scotland at the top of Group A. Sorry. Um, yeah, Group I, Switzerland 3, Andorra 0. So Switzerland at the top on 14 points. Romania have got um, 12 points there in second place. Uh, and Israel are a point behind, although this might change. Uh, so, um, Romania 2, Kosovo 0. There were chants from Romanian fans of uh, Kosovo is Serbia to uh, uh, during the game. So the game was suspended as Kosovo players refused to carry on. Uh, players took off the pitch and eventually uh, there was a banner that was quite offensive that had been removed and uh, I think... The police managed to sort of bring some sort of order, so the game carried on. Um, UEFA have now charged Romania with uh, with sort of the chance and the offences that have taken place. So I don't know whether there's going to be some sort of points penalty. So, so Israel may, if Romania found guilty and got points, they may sort of swap places. Um, Group J, uh, Slovakia three, Liechtenstein nil. Uh, Portugal played Luxembourg. So um, Luxembourg uh, were. I've, I've done as well as they've ever done in, in qualification and there was talk about Luxembourg actually making um, sort of a decent fist of going for the playoff places and maybe making their sort of first um, Euros Championships they played Portugal anyone want to guess how Luxembourg got on? Uh, I One, 15 nothing. Well, not far off I believe they lost 9-0 they did lose 9-0 yeah <laughs> wait can I ask you guys a very important question yeah it's a two-parter Part A. Yes. A million years ago, I want to say it was during the, maybe, like in the in the like the during the two thousand and two qualifiers. Mm -hmm. Nike did this series of commercials about minnows, and it was Faroe Island, and Gibraltar, and Dora, San Marino Islands, and I'm missing one. And I have like been searching for these. They were so great, and. I cannot find them. So part A is, please go forth and find these commercials. Part B is, as someone who, because of that, owns an Andorra kit, which is wow. your favorite minnow? Oh. Um, I'm going to go with San Marino. Oh, okay. Because. Yes, they, I love it because. They have a, a fan Twitter account, and it's absolutely fantastically oh. hilarious can you send it i will i will find it i will find it okay but basically they go absolutely bonkers when they get anywhere near the goal never mind an actual Ooh. goal it's a very oh, good account i need yeah. i get excited whenever they lose like any of these minnows whenever they lose by less than five i'm so excited for them um my own personal favorite would be they're not fifa they're not within fifa but they're within the cunny it's my very own cornwall Ah. Uh. Do you 
run the Cornwall fan Twitter account? No, oh, I wish I did. That would be lovely. But yeah, they're off to um, uh, they're off to the Kanifa World Cup in um, Kurdistan next year. They qualified. Um, we should at some point. Ross would love this. He's going to be so excited that I'm suggesting this. We should just do a whole podcast on minnows. Well, I would love that. Um, I would suggest that if you want to find out about your uh, video, uh, speak to Minnow World on Twitter. Ooh, okay. Who knows all about these things? Or DNQ Football on Twitter. Okay, you're both going to need to send me all of these things. Okay, no, that's fair <laughs> enough. Um, okay, uh, so Portugal are top on that Group J on 18 points. They played six. Won six, scored 18, let in zero. Um, Slovakia on 13 points, then Luxembourg on 10. Uh, finally, in qualifiers this week in Europe, it was um, Armenia nil, Croatia one, and Latvia nil, Wales two. So, Croatia and Turkey are both on 10 points at the top of that group. Armenia and Wales um, are sort of uh, hot on Turkey and Croatia's coattails, both with seven points each. Um, elsewhere around the world, Afcon qualifiers have got their final two. Um, uh, final two qualified teams for next year's tournament. So Cameroon and Nam- Namibia uh, have qualified first and second in Group C. Um, Cameroon beat Burundi 3-0, uh, ensuring Burundi finished third, therefore qualifying Cameroon and Namibia. Uh, it was the final for the Oceania Football Confederation uh, Olympic qual- uh, uh, qualification for um, the uh, Olympic football tournament in Paris next year. Uh, New Zealand 9, Fiji 0. Um, and finally, we come on to Comnibol World Cup qualifiers. So the second week of World Cup or second round of World Cup qualifiers. Um, Bolivia nil, Argentina three. Uh, Venezuela one, Paraguay nil. I think that was a 93rd minute Solomon Rondon winner. Uh, Chile nil, Colombia nil. Um, Peru nil, Brazil one. Marquinhos with a 90th minute winner. And finally, Jesse, it was Ecuador two, Uruguay one. Um, uh-huh. Now we are going to talk about. Uh, oh, tell me, talk about that game, and then we'll talk about the penalties that weren't. Okay, fine. First of all, mm-hmm. I just congratulate Venezuela because if it were the World Cup next week, my friends and neighbors would qualify. Well done. Felicitaciones. Good job. Um, you guys, I was so angry at this match for so many reasons. First of all, this is Uruguay. Like, we have one match, what was it, like five days ago where we played, like, beautiful cohesive passionate fire pants and then four days later it was like no no same team totally different vibe i have to say i watched the highlights and your goalkeeper was featured quite a lot oh rochette is fantastic well but he was he was a bit busy let's say <laughs> perhaps more busy than he should have been because stupid marcelo bielsa decided to put matthias vigna in on in our defense why and then why keep him marcelo is he dating your daughter like what this is not there's no reason for that he is the harry Maguire of uruguay oh really just unfortunate choice but then we had as chris will confirm and that's rare for us <laughs> two missed two like no calls that should have been penalties, and one of those should have been a red card for the keeper. Well, it was, this was in the space of about three seconds as well, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, so go on, describe what happened. Um, 
so I think it was Manuel Garte, but I forget one of our players, like in the 92nd minute, I think it was, um, was like, you know, steps from goal, basically was murdered in broad daylight <laughs> by <laughs> defense, no call, but he kept going. And then Ecuador's goalkeeper came out and pummeled him to the ground. That's, like that's no exaggeration, Nathan. Head. He did. <laughs> he did. No, like his literally, he did not touch the ball, but he smashed my little baby player's head. Jesus. If you were to watch, it, if you were to watch the NFL and you saw a um, like a sort of defender take out a, an attacker with a clothesline tackle, that's the sort of thing we're talking about. Yeah, so it didn't go to VAR, but also the stupid uh, ref didn't even stop when there was a head smash. Jesus. And then the ball sort of fell to a 50-50 between the defender and attacker. And the attacker cleared the ball, but he most definitely cleared the... Oh, sorry, the defender cleared the ball, but he most definitely cleared the attacker as well, didn't he? Yeah! Just just cleared everything out of there. Just, <laughs> you know. And by that time, I think the ref like just was ready for his dinner, and he was not calling anything. <laughs> um, yeah, so I th- I think you're incredibly unlucky with that. To be honest, did you take the lead, you guys? Yeah, yeah, and then they had a penalty, which they missed, didn't they? They did miss a penalty. That was a terrible penalty. That sort of uh, that landed in the Pacific Ocean. That one, didn't it? It was Enter Valencia. I was Enter Valencia. Yes, and you all know my favorite Enter Valencia story. Yeah, this is about the paternity test. Yes, so <laughs> two World Cup qualifiers ago, Ana Valencia, they were playing at home in Ecuador, and he knew that there was a warrant out because he hadn't paid um, child support, like, ever. So the, there was a warrant out, and the cops were, you know, going to pick him up. And so midway into the second half, he fakes this injury. It's like, you know when, um, when like, children are playing with swords, like foam swords, and they go down like in that child like oh no i'm very dead <laughs> okay. so he goes down like that nobody's nobody's around him but he's like very dead he's moaning he's rolling like you know not getting up because they had an ambulance waiting and he took the ambulance so that the cops wouldn't work going to be able to pick him up and left the country wow have you seen this nathan was this there's video of him, isn't there? was he sort of hobbling down the sidelines yeah yeah it is, it is ringing a bell this where he kind of like like he's hobbling but like he's also actually trying to sprint to get onto this ambulance to get <laughs> yes. out of there as quickly as possible. And then at some point I think he like he forgets which leg he's supposedly like it's just it's amazing. So anytime Anna Valencia plays, I am duty bound to bring that up. <laughs> uh right, okay, so that's European oh that's the international game, sorry. Um we're gonna move on to news and sexual assault corner is here. Um thirty nine Spanish female players, including twenty one of the twenty three World Cup squad, say uh, they will continue to boycott games as they quote unquote don't feel in a safe place. Um Luis Rubiales has had a restraining order taken out on him. He can't go within two hundred meters of Jenny Hermoso. Um and he's done an interview with Piers Morgan this week where he again sort of says this sort of thing was consensual. Um Is he very dumb? Because I feel like First of all, going on Piers Morgan, like, mm-hmm. I know, yeah, like that. Well, he's, he, he's going to get an easier ride than if he went on other things, isn't he? But, like, yes, but the optics, and also, like, doubling, like, I think this is when you just disappear for a little bit, you go take a vacation, and then you come back and do that, like, wow, I, after rest and reflection, yeah, 
oops, and then you get a job again because that's how the world works. And instead, he's like, <laughs> I mean, his his publicity team must be tearing their hair out. And good. Yeah. Uh, Richarlison as well will seek psychological help for quote-unquote turbulent times off the pitch. He's got one goal and 31 for Spurs, but he has said... People who have their eye on me, uh, on my money, no longer are close to me. Yeah. Um, I think we've seen, he's, he's so young. Um, he captained Brazil. Brazil itself, you know, he's like the only one who spoke out against Bolsonaro. Um, and I, I think he's like incredibly brave for talking about especially in light of how Jadon Sancho has been received mm-hmm. for coming yeah. out and saying, you know, I, that he's seeking treatment is huge. Mm. Um, not just doing it, but talking about it. And I do really appreciate Postacoglu's response, which seemed to be just a very, um, like de-escalated confirmation that he's going to be supported as he should be. And it's in total opposition to, Sancho and other players in the past and really Antonio Conte as well I just I thought that I was sort of impressed with everybody well yeah people are saying imagine if Richarlison had done this during sort of Conte or Mourinho era Spurs it's, it kind of feels like everyone in, everyone in world football should be looking at this and go and this is how you handle a situation yes yes you know yes. just take the sting out release the statement, back the player, you know, and do it just, you know, no drama about it, do you know what I mean? It's like, the player's put his hand up and gone, do you know what, I'm struggling, mm. and I'm going to do something about that, and the club has turned around and gone, that's fine, we'll support you. Yeah. That's it, there's, there's no need for anything else whatsoever, just, that is it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, come I was just going to say, I, I agree with what Jesse was saying about um, Richardson being brave for coming out and doing it, given, given, like you said, the, the Sancho situation and other situations as well. And just the fact that men just don't talk about stuff like that, ever. You know, it's just like, there's just this real taboo on it and there really shouldn't be. And it's, it's great to see that, you know, more people in the public eye are, are willing to go on record. So kudos to a Tottenham player. That's a but good probably point. Probably the first and last time. <laughs> well, maybe <laughs> you say it again, but I think, you know, just coming on the heels of Deli Alley, um, yeah, should have been supported, in you know, as a much younger, you know, should have had that sort of infrastructural support earlier. Shows how important it is to provide that before it becomes a crisis. Possibly. And. And how hard it is to be the one, especially like you said, as a man, to have to do that on your own, like just to, to, to seek seek it out without, like all of those things in play in place. So hopefully, I have no faith that this will happen. But like, you know, there's no reason why teams shouldn't have not just a sports psychologist, but an actual psychologist on hand. Yeah. Uh, young players with all the normal stresses and anxieties and bullshit of life on top of which they're in the public eye. So that would be like a really easy and important starting point, I think. Um, who would like to hear some historical tweets from uh, Wales and uh, Cardiff City legend Robert Earnshaw? 
Me, but only if you do it in a Welsh accent. Oh, no, don't, don't get into the accent. What, what <laughs> no, but like, Welsh, like, I very much, I, A, want to hear how Chris does with this one. <laughs> Um, we don't have any Welsh people on the pod. Maybe somebody will come. Maybe somebody will be like, oh, my oh God. I don't know about that. There's a few of us around. Me? <laughs> oh, my God. Nathan, I'm so sorry, but also I'm really not. Hashtag <laughs> sorry, not sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. Who would like to hear some? So this, uh, I've just found a football account, uh, account that's uh, screenshotted four historical tweets of Robert Earnshaw's that have been around for a while. Um, right. Here we go. Uh, Robert Earnshaw. <laughs> Can either of you picture Robert Earnshaw? Somebody, do you remember this it's 606 message boards, Nathan, back in like 2005 or something? Wow, yeah. yeah. Um, someone on there once said Robert Earnshaw. He's the oh, kind of, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the kind of person that looks like he can eat apples through a picket fence. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's a bit cruel. Yeah, but... <laughs> um, anyway, historical <laughs> tweets from Robert Earnshaw. Here we go, first one. Uh, since we sent robots to Mars before sending humans, isn't it possible that the, f- that the first extraterrestrials that we encounter on Earth might not be the aliens themselves, but might be their technology instead? That's brilliant. Okay, yeah. Is another one? Yeah, it's my birthday, and it made me think the hospital I was born in is the only building I've left but never entered. <laughs> okay. I mean, he's a philosopher, is well, what I'm hearing. I mean, he must have entered. I mean, he was in his mum's tummy, but he must have entered the hospital. Yeah, surely. There is zero evidence that today is Sunday. We are all kind of relying on the fact that somebody has kept inaccurate counts ever since the first one. <gasps> I want to be his friend. And finally, here's his last one. Uh, oh. What if plants and trees are actually farming us, giving us oxygen till we eventually decompose and then they can consume us? <laughs> Wait, sorry, I have a question. Yeah. This is historical, but like, what's his latest tweet? Oh, he's still... let me have a look, see if he's still on Twitter. Uh, bear with me. Like, was this just a random year when he was just especially high? Like, what... <laughs> <laughs> no, I do remember a couple of these from quite a long time ago. So his most recent tweet is from the 6th... Oh, uh, is he replied to anybody? Look. No, 6th September 2023. Um okay. Uh, it's basically him playing football on his um, on his beach in on the beach in Dubai with his son. It's quite nice and wholesome. Well, except for the Dubai part, yeah. Well, uh, well yeah, except for the Dubai part. But you know, you uh, us time heart moments with my boy. Silver is thirteen now. You wouldn't ever know it because he's so big and mature. Enjoy the beautiful moments as he grows. Fill your soul, my friends. Uh, then he's got the. Um, uh, Where's Dubai? Is it the Emirates, isn't it? It's got the, that flag. Uh, and then a yellow heart. Hashtag Dubai, hashtag travel, hashtag football. And it's a video of him playing football with his son in various locations in Dubai. Very nice. There we go. Uh, right. Back to Europe. London club football is back again this weekend. Thank God. Um, right. So in Spain, Real Madrid are on 12 points. Then uh, it's Majorona on 10. Barcelona on 10. Atleti on 7. Uh, so it's Valencia versus Atleti this weekend. Real Madrid versus Real Sociedad, Granada versus Girona, um, and then Jesse, it's Barcelona versus Batiste. Ooh. Mmm. I hope they look after my little Nabal Fekir here very well. So I'm hoping for a, a Batiste win. I know. I love my Araujo, but I love Batiste. I know. Uh, 
in Italy, uh, Inter on top on nine points, then it's Milan uh, also on nine, and then following up is Juventus on seven and Lecce on seven. Uh, so there's some decent games this weekend. So first of all is Monza versus Lecce, but it's Juventus versus Lazio. Lazio, who looked very good in the week before um, the international break when they beat Napoli. Uh, and then it's a Milan derby, Inter versus AC. Seems very uh, early in the season for um, a fixture as big as this, but, but there we go. Um... In Germany, uh, Bayer Leverkusen are top, then Bayern Munich are second, both of them on nine points, and Stuttgart and RB Leipzig, both of them are on six points. So, it's Bayern versus Bayer Leverkusen. We're recording on Friday night, that game's taking place right now, um, and as far as I'm aware, uh, Bayern Munich are 1-0 up, um, Harry Kane has scored. RB Leipzig versus Augsburg, and Mainz versus Stuttgart in France, four teams qualify this year for the Champions League. Uh, Monaco are on ten points, PSG and Marseille both on eight, and then Reim are on seven. Um, PSG versus Nice this weekend, Lyon versus Monaco, Marseille versus Toulouse, and Reims versus Brest. We're saying that Lyon are bottom of the league at the moment in Ligue 1. Uh, they've had a terrible start. You might remember we did a little bit about their um, players having to stand and get told off by the ultras uh, just before the international break um, on the pitch, and uh, after they lost 4-1 to PSG. And uh, over the international break, Laurent Blanc has been sacked as manager of Lyon. So... Uh, they're looking for somebody else. Other games um, in MLS. It is the New York Derby, Jesse. Red Bulls versus City. Yes, you knew that I knew that. I did. Yeah. How, how are your boys going to get on? Um, I mean, the Red Bulls are terrible. Mm-hmm. But I feel like NYCFC is not that good right now. So, you know, who knows? There'll be a lot of um, Twitter fighting over NYC is red or blue. Oh, wait. And the last time there was the Starby um, NYCFC Ultras, otherwise known as Neo-Nazis, um, uh, beat up a couple of fans in parking lots. So where is this one being played? Uh, at the Red Bulls. Oh, well, hopefully the Nazis stay home. I, fo- I follow a, um, a New York City fan on Twitter. and he... Me? No, no, sorry, you're not, you're not a New York City fan, are you? Oh. Um... He's a fan of theirs, but he's deeply embarrassed by the ultra culture of yeah. the club, and he doesn't like it one little bit. And he tries calling these people out, and I think at some personal cost to himself, actually. So, um, yeah. yeah, he. It's pretty bad. I know somebody that I used to work with is actually writing a book about, um, like, white supremacist and neo Nazi culture in the MLS, and, like, a good majority of it is NYCFC, and the league is really at fault. Well, that sounds very depressing, but interesting read. I know. I will let you know when he releases it. Yeah. Other people I know are writing books, too, and I hope to buy their books as well soon. Yes. You might not have to buy one. I'll see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, it's um, El Trafico this weekend, isn't it, Jesse? Uh, I hate that word. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's like the dumbest title. Uh, LAFC versus LA Galaxy. Uh, in Bulgaria, it's the little capital derby. as Slavia Sofia play Lokomotiv Sofia. Um, in the Northern Australian Premier League, so that's not quite the A-League, it's Port Darwin versus Darwin Hearts. Um, it's the, uh, the eternal derby of Slovenia as well. So it doesn't matter how long you guys are going to live for, that derby will still be going on. Um, is Olympia Ljubljana play Maribor. Uh, it's the Mexican Super Classico as well, Jesse. Is it already? Yeah. Oh, because this is the... No. Really? Club America versus... You. Sorry? I just... I believe you. I just didn't think it was a... It was... Is this the Apertura? It's America versus Guadalajara. 
No, no, thank you. Yes, I understand. But is this, you know how... how oh, sorry. The, yes. Uh, that word you said rings a bell from what I read. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I don't think it was Liga MX. No, <laughs> I think it's the so, apertura means like opening, and then clausura is closing. So it's basically like they play too many sessions. That's right. She was telling you that Nathan because I knew it. Yeah, Chris knew, and I know he could also pronounce that so beautifully. <laughs> but I, felt like man I was mansplaining, and I apologize. Uh, and also, it is the um, Faroese Classico in the Faroe Islands. It is HB Torshan versus Key uh, Klaxvik. Now, I got this from the Sweeper um, uh, Twitter account. Sweeper is a podcast where uh, they sort of talk about the sort of um, uh, lesser-known football uh, countries around the world. So probably what you were going on about earlier on, Jesse. Uh, Faroe is obviously a group of islands. Um, fans have to get... F um, uh, Wave fans have to get to the uh, to the to the stadium via a series of undersea tunnels, including one of the tunnels has got a roundabout under the sea. Oh my god, I want to go to there. Yeah, well, find the sweeper on Twitter, and they will. Um, they tweeted photos of what this roundabout looks like. It looks quite cool. Um, I'm going to recommend another podcast as well. I'm going to recommend a podcast called um, um, something I've forgotten. Footy on the Med. It's, <laughs> it's called Footy on the Med. Have either of you heard of that? Footy on the Med? Yes. Mediterranean? It's in the Mediterranean, yeah. So oh, no. Basically, it's three English guys that uh, go to a different football match every week uh, somewhere on the Mediterranean. So it could be Greece, it could be North Africa, France, Spain. They go to a different game every week uh, and they record themselves at the match and talk about the town and the city and the game they're watching and they sort of... Um, uh, commentate on it and all this sort of thing it's quite nice actually it's very worth checking out how come we don't get to like go to places for our podcast i've got to be honest i live in cornwall i don't like leaving cornwall that much no i left i left it for a week earlier on this in <laughs> this summer and that's more than enough for me <laughs> <laughs> i really don't like it um okay so uh we'll go back to the premier league uh, so we're getting closer to home um, Saturday, half past 12, is Wolves versus Liverpool in the Paul Ince derby. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold is injured. Uh, Ibrahim Konate is possible. Virgil van Dijk is suspended. Um, so problems at the back for Liverpool. Uh, Wolves on this fixture 3-0, uh, but they have lost 12 out of their last 13 to Liverpool. Um, and Liverpool last season in 12.30 kickoffs, they drew three, lost three. Uh, Klopp got very spiky towards Liverpool... Uh, I think it's the athletic journalist James Pierce today. Um, I think James Pierce was asking him about um, players coming back from international duty, particularly those coming back from South America, then having to kick off a 12:30 kickoff in the Premier League. And Jurgen Klopp got a bit spiky at this question. The, the question itself was quite friendly, um, but Jurgen Klopp wasn't sort of uh, interested in having a friendly chat. I think you said that. Um, Bearing in mind the the the, the uh, press conferences are normally about lunchtime on Friday. He hadn't seen um, Alexis McAllister since the game. He wasn't sure if Alexis had sort of arrived back in Liverpool or not. So, um, so how do you think this one's going to go, guys? Uh, are you surprised that Jurgen Klopp got spiky? Yeah, that sounds like something exactly that would get his back oh. up. I know, do you know what? I, I tweeted about this. I, I said, I, you know, obviously I love him to bits, but it really, really isn't a good look. Um, particularly when it was a quite sort of, it wasn't like Frost Nixon, it was quite a friendly question. Um, <laughs> and I can well understand why you guys who are fans of other clubs really couldn't, can't stand Jurgen Klopp. Um, 
he would rile me if I if he wasn't managing Liverpool. Yeah, I get that. Um, yeah. But how do you guys think this one's going to go? So Werewolves in the league, they've. Um, bear with me. I should know this. I should have my Premier League table here. Mm. I, I don't. Wolves are fifteenth, uh, three points. So they've won one, lost three. Uh, Liverpool are on ten points in third place. So. Um, Liverpool, I think, have looked a bit iffy at the back this season. It's not going to help where they've got three of their first choices out either. So, guys, what do you reckon? You'll be fine. Yeah? I think if you could handpick again to, to have three of your defence out, this is probably the one to handpick. Oh, yeah. really? Okay. Well, that's, yeah. Oh, that's quite, that's quite a big relief. Thank you, guys. <laughs> uh, three o'clock kickoffs. First of all, is um, Aston Villa versus Crystal Palace, the Ray Houghton Derby. Uh, Mark Wakey got injured on England duty. Looks like he's going to miss this game. Um, Villa have lost one out of eleven versus Crystal Palace. Uh, Villa have won nine consecutive home games in all competitions, and in 2023, they got 49 points. That's only um, only got Manchester City and Arsenal ahead of them. Nathan, um, is this going to be an easy win for? Uh, Villa or a Paris Palace? Uh, where are Crystal Palace? Crystal Palace are seventh. Um, they're, um, they're three three places ahead of Villa. Yeah, I think this has potential to sneakily maybe be game of the weekend. Okay. Oh. On the on the sly on the sly. Yeah. I think it might you know go under the radar, but I think it's got potential to be game of the weekend, and I think it will be a two-two draw. Two-two draw. Two-two draw. Right. Nathan's predicted a Desmond there. Jesse, what do you think? That's so... Now I'm thinking about that. Game of the weekend. Wait, Nathan, why? Why? Um, just because I've, I only know two games this weekend because Chris has told us about them and I don't know about any of the others. So... <laughs> okay. This is definitely going to be game of the weekend. <laughs> so you might so you might change your game of the weekend when, <laughs> when I read out more fixtures. It's entirely possible. <laughs> I'm not going to rule it out. Like that. Because um, I was surprised. Like, I don't know why this would be game of the weekend. Um, okay. I I think Villa have so much to prove, if that makes sense. You, sorry, you think or don't think? I missed that, sorry. I do. I think Villa okay. have so much to prove. So, so sh- yeah, game of the weekend. Why not? I'll jump what, on that bandwagon. What do you think uh, they have to prove? Because I think... They relied way too much last year on, like, the myth of Emmy Martinez and didn't really live up to where they should have been. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um... Fulham versus Luton in the Mark Pembridge derby at three o'clock. Jamplinia, who had his move to um, Bayern Munich, sort of throwing in the works uh, on, on transfer deadline day, he signed a new contract. Um, these two last met in May 2022 when Fulham beat Luton uh, 7-0. But there's some bad um, statistics here for Fulham. They conceded 16 in eight at home in the Premier League. Um, they conceded 10 in the league so far. Uh, and they faced 33 shots. That's the most of anybody. Raúl Jiménez has got zero goals in 27 Premier League games, but Luton are winless in the Premier League since 1991. Um... Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, at least one of you must be swimming around inside your father, surely. I mean, no. no nope. I was just about, just about out. 
Was you? <laughs> You've been released into yeah. the world. <laughs> Just about. I mean, this sounds horrendous. We need to definitely rehash this, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, bear in mind I've read those statistics out Fulham aren't very good but neither have Luton been so far so are Fulham going to be okay do you think Jesse? Um, I want to say no I feel like Luton has the potential to like be our fun you know new newbies hmm. but also I'm cynical and I know better and so probably this is one of those where like Fulham will be fine only because Luton's worse or they're going to lose and then later when they're getting relegated they'll look back and think that was the match where everything went wrong. Okay, Nathan? So I was just interested to see why Fulham are doing so badly mm. this season and they they beat Everton which I think a lot of teams are going to say this, this season and then they've lost to Brentford drew with Arsenal drew with Spurs and then got hammered by Man City. So, that's not the best start, to be fair. Well, you made it sound like it wasn't the worst start, either. It's, 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 you've seen worse, haven't you? But, but, by the same token, that's a pretty tough start to the season. So, I think if I'm a Fulham fan, I'm looking at this game and thinking, if we don't get anything out of this one, then we're in real trouble this season. Oh, OK. Yeah. Well, that's I think, I think this, is, this might be the game that, that sets Fulham up for the rest of the season. Really? Alternatively, <laughs> Luton fans, Luton fans, Luton fans could, could be saying exactly the same thing. They could be looking at Fulham and thinking, these guys are terrible this season. This is our chance to get on the board. That's exactly the kind of fence sitting we hide you for, Nathan. That's why, that's why I'm here. <laughs> there's, there's this one the has game. the potential to be match of the weekend? Absolutely not, no, this will be dire. Are you going are you going last time match of the day for this? Oh, it's a bold show. It's a bold show. We don't know, know what happens yet. Do you know what? Knowing match of the day just because it's two unfancied teams, you would put them at the bottom. You would. To start the weekend, this would be the last one. Okay. Uh, Manchester United versus Brighton Anthony has uh, been suspended by the club Jaden Sancho is away from the squad and training um, with the youth team um, remember that statement that Manchester United put out about uh, uh, about Mason Greenwood it was quite a lengthy impassioned statement defending him um, yeah, a young man and a father and he made mistakes <laughs> Eric Ten Hag has talked quite um, has talked quite warmly about Anthony this week Anyone seen any that has similar sort of warmth towards Jaden Sancho at all, either in a Manchester United statement or Eric Ten Hag? No, Chris. Nope. Like, rape is a mistake, but having mental or emotional distress is just cowardice. It's a lifestyle choice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Eric Ten Hag said when he arrived at Manchester United, there was quote-unquote no good culture. Um and I'm then he brought the culture of sexual assault. Wow. I'm rapidly going off Eric Ten Hag. Don't think I was a pawn. <laughs> <laughs> he is rapidly turning into the man who is not ready to deal with big issues at a big club. I, not that I'm going to disagree, but I'm going to go further. I think he's totally ready. He just chooses not to. I mean, he knows exactly what the fuck he's doing. What is this? Like the fourth player accused of rape or sexual assault that he has vocally championed? He's I the, just, he's he's the, the, the Sorry, go. 
No, I just don't think he's a good person. I think he's a perfectly fine coach if you just look at statistics and not his ethical and moral <laughs> He stood by Mark Overmars in Ajax as well, didn't he, I do yeah. believe. And somebody, uh, um, there was somebody else as well hmm. when he was at um, Ajax. I mean, this is this is number four. Like, this is now, this is not an oopsie. This is not an I am not ready. This is exactly, this is this is who I am. Yes. This is, as well, with especially with the, with the Sancho situation, like, is he starting to come across as someone who will back somebody who he is getting something in return from? So, you know, for example, Anthony is... You know, has come over from Ajax as his little golden boy, and he's starting every game. So he he is giving Ten Hag something, you know, contributing something to Ten Hag's team. Whereas Sancho doesn't really seem to be contributing anything. I don't know because he was quite pro Mason Greenwood coming back, and he's never had Mason Greenwood play under him, has he? No, but the clamour, the the clamour from the pro Mason Greenwood camp was that this guy's a superstar, whether he does bad things or not. Yeah. When I say superstar, I mean on the pitch, obviously yes. not off the pitch. Yeah. On the pitch, this this guy's. If Mason Greenwood hadn't done what he'd done, he would be playing in the first eleven and probably would be doing a lot better than a lot of the players there at the moment. I yeah. mean, I just said that they've sold more Greenwood kits than any other player. Mm. They have, which is um, incredibly depressing. Um, yeah. He's quickly falling into the wrong end category, isn't he, Eric Ten Hag? Mm-hmm. Um, he got a lot of plaudits about how he got Ronaldo out of the squad last season. And, you know, you find Marcus Rashford returning up late and, you know, these are my set of values you have to adhere to. And he won quite a lot of people over with that, I think. But I think at the same time, he's he's losing people a little bit here as well. And this isn't going to be an easy fixture for Manchester United. Um Evan Ferguson is a doubt. He might play. Uh, Ansu Fati could play. Um, United have lost their last three against Brighton, uh, although they are unbeaten at home in all competitions since September last year. But um, Brighton are going to be a difficult prospect to play against, aren't they, Jesse? Yeah, and also, just going back to what you said, there's a big difference between finding Marcus Rashford, of all people, for lateness... <laughs> And finally, after a very long time, getting rid of an old and controversial on the pitch, Ronaldo, mm. um, and what he's doing now. You know, I think he he didn't lose anything by getting rid of Ronaldo. Ronaldo was was being a diva. Um, they had other players, you know, to fill that position. So he sort of won by taking that making that his choice um he hasn't done anything to back up that he actually believes that you know in in whatever he's whatever you said he said club mentality or Mm. no good culture Culture. There you go. There you go. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's also shot himself a little bit in the foot with this as well, because Anthony and Sancho, I guess, would have been competing for the same position. Now he's got neither of them. <laughs> so that's probably not the best of things. Um, oh, Jesse! Spurs versus Sheffield United, 3 o'clock in the car, Walker Derby. Uh, a win gives Spurs 13 points. 
Um, that's their best league start since 1965-66, where they finished eighth. Yay! <laughs> um, you're at home. Uh, Sheffield United had that good result a couple of weeks ago against Everton, where um, they had a good couple of players in Gustavo Hamer and uh, Cameron Archer firing. Um, they're going to need a little bit more than that away to Spurs, though, aren't they? Yes. Probably. Come on. I mean, you just named Lloris, okay? He's named Hugo Lloris and Eric Dyer in the squad, isn't he? Uh, yeah, so I, what, am I, what are we doing? I don't know what can, we're doing. Can anything go wrong now? Everything, but that's just <laughs> part of the joy of being a Spurs fan. Blake's the chaos. Uh, Nathan. Hello. It's <laughs> half past two on a Saturday afternoon. You're in the Sheffield United dressing room. Uh, Paul Heckingbottom, the manager, pops his head in and goes, lads it, Spurs, and then walks out. Um, <laughs> are they going to be feeling like that or are they going to be feeling the pressure of playing Spurs given the form they're in? That was supposed to be a, that was supposed to be a Paul Heckingbottom impression, not a, a Nathan Gent impression. No, yeah, no, I got it, I got that. Yep. <laughs> Good. Um, yeah, I think they'll be feeling the pressure. I think um, really annoyingly, Spurs look like they've got a manager who is getting their shit together. Yeah. Um, which is upsetting. <laughs> Sorry. The only, the only, the only silver lining to that is I don't have to look at Harry Kane's face, which is fantastic. Um, but yeah, Spurs look annoyingly good already. Um, so it, it won't last. Let's hope not. You know, fingers crossed. But um, yeah, I think Spurs look very good, and Sheffield United do not look very good. There is only one winner for me. No, fair enough. Okay, uh, what else have we got? We've got West Ham versus Manchester City, 3 o'clock in the Ian Bishop derby. Um, no Kovacic, Grealish or Stones for Manchester City. Uh, West um, West Ham have got 10 points so far. That's the best start since 1999-2000 season. Manchester City have used 22 players so far. That seems an awful lot, doesn't it, Nathan? Bearing in mind we're only just in... We've had a two-week international break, so last time they played was the start of September. It stinks of Pep Guardiola, doesn't it? Like, <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a fantasy Premier League player... You know, other than Erling Haaland, don't pick City players because you'll just drop them for no apparent reason. Like you know, they'll be in the form of their lives, and and then you know you put them as your triple captain for that week, and he drops them, and you're like, eh, what happened yeah. there? What did I what did I miss? So, Edison yeah, and Haaland. That, that does not shock me in the slightest. No, Edison and Haaland. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. There you too. Um. So yeah, what do you reckon to this one? West. This is actually um in London. So West Ham going to give them uh, a difficult time? Do you think? Um, I think West Ham are in fantastic form. Um, I can see this being a tricky game, but at the end of the day, it's Manchester City, and they just win. So it's it's hard to go against them, but I do think it will be a, a good game. I think it'll be a tough game, and it'll be a good game to see for for West Ham to to sort of see where they are this season in terms of you know can they can they potentially kind of get into that European mix maybe um, but um, yeah Man City win you can't it's hard to back against them isn't it? you just can't Fair enough. Jesse can you see a um, West Ham uh, sort of 15% possession 1-0 win on on this one 
no, Man City's going to win. But I also think that it's so funny that Pep can swap out Erling Haaland because they have 87,000 other players. <laughs> <laughs> like not... At one point, he's going to look back and pull... He's going to pull Jude Bell- Bellingham from the stands and be like, ah, surprise! Like, <laughs> <laughs> their bench is not a bench. It's a full stadium. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if he did want to drop Erling Haaland, he's only got a World Cup winner on the bench to come yeah. and play him. It's nuts. Yeah. Uh, Newcastle versus Brentford, half past five. Uh, Sandra Tonali and Sven Botman are doubts. Um, Newcastle are unbeaten versus Brentford since 1948. Jesse, should um, Brentford play that 1948 team? Yes. Name them all, Chris, right now. Oh, I was on mute. I just, made, I just named them all then. Did you hear oh, them? Oh, okay. Yeah, you did great. Great job. <laughs> um, Callum Wilson's got 13 goals in 16 appearances of those... 13, uh, sorry, those 16 appearances only started six. Uh, Alexander Isak has only got one goal in 10, Jesse. Brentford are unbeaten in seven. Um, I think Callum Wilson signed a new contract today. Uh, Newcastle are a bit of pressure here, aren't they? They've lost sort of quite a few games. Um, they need a result. Would a winning result be, sa- a, a drawing result be satisfactory here, or do they need a win? Bearing in mind they're at home. I think for their fans, a draw against. Brentford would not feel like a win, especially at home. Yeah. Um, so no, I think they'd definitely be coming out and aiming for aiming for a win. All right, Nathan. Uh, I agree with everything that you uh, both of you just said. I think. Um... I love when we all agree. It's so nice. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Um, yeah, I, th- I think uh, Newcastle fans will probably be wanting a win given that they've not started very well. Um, Brent, I just, I wouldn't like to predict a Newcastle result this season. I feel like they're going to be that team who have potential to turn up and look like world beaters and then lose the next week 1-0 to Luton. Do you know what I mean? So, Which is weird. Go because... for another Desmond. Let's Desmond, why not? Yeah. <laughs> Another Desmond. <laughs> uh, which is weird because if you imagine last, or remember last season, they didn't let many goals in until about sort of February March, did they? Yeah, they were they were the kings of um, playing football for forty four minutes instead of ninety, or um, you know, just just playing really good defensive football and having people like Wilson and Isiak and the others to. To just go and devastate on the counter, so it's it's very very strange the swing that they've had so far this season from what they were to what they are. Yeah, I get the feeling they think you're still not over that time wasting at the Emirates. I, I'm not. I'm sure <laughs> it's, it's not. Do you know what I mean? We went and did exactly the same thing up at St James's Park later on in the season, but they thoroughly deserve that. <laughs> it just why why would it just annoys me. I understand that teams aren't going to come to the Emirates and try and play football because that's just silly. That's exactly what we want teams to come and do. But don't be the complete opposite and be anti-football. Nobody wants to see that. Um, I'll leave him stewing there, Jesse, and move on to the next game. <laughs> I think that being a good fan is hate it, like resenting and carrying that grudge for another team while being able to forgive your own team for doing the exact, the exact same thing. <laughs> Perfectly fair. Exactly. Uh, right, Sunday, 2 o'clock, it's Bournemouth versus Chelsea. There's no Reese James still for Chelsea. Um, 
Bournemouth have taken two out of their previous 24 available points. Uh, Chelsea have lost their last three away, and Pochettino is winless in 13 in the Premier League, although obviously that goes back quite far. Um, these are two teams that really, really aren't in form. Um, Jesse, how do you think this one's going to go? You know what's so funny? I still, like when you say Chelsea, the part of me that has been a Spurs fan for as long as I have been is like, oh no, of course they're good. Like they're Chelsea, mm. they'll win. Good. And then I remember that they're not. And <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm sorry, Ryan, but like I'm, I'm a little gleeful about it. It's habit though, isn't it? Over the last sort of 20 odd years that you've just yeah. known Chelsea be like this. It's like how, it's how I felt feel about like brazil yeah you know you hear them and you automatically like oh that's gonna be a tough one yes it's not amazing yeah um nathan what do you think um i actually called nottingham forest beating chelsea did you yeah did you call that to yourself sort of sat in a room by your on your own uh, but I that counts, just... Nathan, if you did it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't know. There was just something about it. I just thought, I just thought there's, there's definitely, definitely opportunity there for for a Forest win, and I, I and I backed it. I can't see it happening this time, though. But then again, I, I just think Chelsea are really bad. Mm-hmm. Like they're just, they're not even a banter club anymore. They're just bad. Really, they got beyond banter. Yeah, I think I think we've gone past banter now. I think it's just like you, you just wasted like a billion pounds on an absolute mess of a team. Oh, I can remember. It's absolutely fantastic to watch as well. I love it. <laughs> uh, um, go on. Desmond, Desmond, another Desmond. Desmond. Um, half past four, Everton versus Arsenal in the Martin Keown derby. Right, Everton have got new owners today. Seven 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 partners have bought. Uh, Farhad Mashiri's 94.1% share in the club. Um, the club, or the uh, sorry, the 77 partners have also invested in Vasco da Gama, uh, Standard Liège, Hertha Berlin, Sevilla, um, Girona, uh, Red Star Paris, and the British Basketball League. But they do have some allegations against them. Would anyone like to hear of them? Yes, please. Want to guess them? Uh, well, no, because we'll be here a while. But bearing in mind. As I read these out, they're still yet to pass the fit and proper persons test. So, uh, government officials have reportedly expressed concerns about 777 Partners' suitability for owning a club. Um, The company is in an ongoing court case in the United States raising legal concerns. Managing partner Josh Wanda, um, no relation to Wara, uh, Nara Wanda, um, has uh, previous drug offences which has raised questions about its suitability. 777 Partners and the sister company Sutton Park have been accused of fraud, offering legal loans and failing to pay bills. Um, Standard Liège, another club owned by 777 Partners, is facing a backlash for its fans. Uh, Standard Liège also has significant financial issues, but the new ownership has struggled to bring in expensive players. Um, And it says here, Everton fans should worry about transparency, integrity and the long-term stability. So this could be a case of um, out out of the frying pan into the fire delicious isn't it if you're a Liverpool fan I mean Everton fans heads just must be falling off left right and centre here mustn't they yeah hilarious isn't it (laughs) Mashiri came in as the great messiah with all the money that's gone horribly wrong you then find out that he's gone and then find out that the people that have 
took up that mantle could potentially be a lot worse. Like, yeah, yeah, you wouldn't be happy. Would well, I don't know. I mean, you can see a lot of people in it. I don't think we're going to get uh, scenes like we had in Newcastle, where if you opened up a tea towel stall outside St James's Park, you'd be a millionaire. Um, I don't think we're going to be sort of as popular as that. But I think maybe they're just going to be so relieved to get rid of machinery. Yeah. And, and also, there's no mention of Bill Kenwright either, so I don't know whether he's staying on or not. Yeah, I mean, if if, if I was these new owners, the first thing you'd do is get rid of Bill Kenwright just to try and tip the scale back in your favour a little bit. Yeah. No. But yeah, it's... Um, you never know. They might, they might get it right at Everton, but the history's not great to start off with, is it? No, and speaking of getting it right at Everton, that's something you guys haven't done in recent years, is it? We we are definitely not winning this game. Oh, really? like, <laughs> a million percent not winning this game. <laughs> Wasn't this the game last season where um was this Sean Dyche's first game? Yeah, yeah. It was Sean Dyche's first game. He put all eleven men behind the ball and won one nil. It was like, well, none of us saw that coming, did we? <laughs> It was literally the most obvious score of the entire Premier League season. <laughs> and you think something similar will happen uh, on Sunday? Oh, God, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Make it'll him feel... Be a it'll be a combination of, of Dyche football and Arsenal doing something arsenal to to mess us up, like an own goal or a red card or some ridiculous crossfield pass that doesn't even make it across the field. There'll be something. Something stupid will happen. Give him, lose that game. give him hope, Jesse. Yeah, maybe they are not preparing as well as they should because they're 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 underestimating you. <laughs> yeah. So, and then and then you have three goals from Saka in the first twenty minutes and there's no coming back from that. That'd be the dream. Just kill it okay. kill it quickly. Yeah. Three goals done. That's it. Go home. Yeah. There you go. Uh, and finally, we have um, on Monday night, Nottingham Forest versus Burnley. Forest have got two wins out of four so far. It took them 15 games to get two wins last season. They won their last four at home. Uh, Tywini, uh, uh, Tywini has scored or assisted in each of his last eight Forest games. Burnley have lost all four games so far as an aggregate of 11-3. to three. I think this has got Forest written all over it, and I think Burnley are in a, heap, a whole heap of trouble. Uh, oh, did he? Did Awani also score on international duty as well? Did he? Okay. Pretty sure I saw that he scored. Um, I think it's Nigeria he plays for. Pretty yes. sure he scored. Oh. Um, so yeah, he's in by fantastic form. Forest seems to be getting it together despite having more players than possibly every football club in the world combined. Um, it's like. It's it's like Chelsea on a budget, yet they're doing it better. Pam shop Chelsea. Yeah, basically, yeah. Pam <laughs> shop Chelsea, but actually getting results. It's it's phenomenal, really. But um, yeah, I think you're right. I think Burnley haven't figured out the Premier League yet and need to start doing so very quickly. Um, but I don't see it happening in this game. All also, right. cool. who the hell picked Nottingham Forest versus Burnley for Monday Night Football? <laughs> I understand that teams have to have a fair share of TV time. I get that, and I fully support that. But surely we could have done better than Knott's Forest versus Burnley. 
<gasps> Don't say Notts Forest. Crikey, their fans will be after you. My dad's a my dad's a Forest fan, so I quite like winding him up by saying it. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, he loves it. <laughs> loves it. Uh, Jesse, how do you think Nottingham Forest will get on? Uh, I think Forest will be fine, and this might be a really boring match. Okay. Oh, well, after all the excitement that Nathan's predicted this weekend, let's hope it is a boring match. Yeah, we need to walk our dogs at some point. Exactly. <laughs> uh, right, okay, so uh, that's the end of our podcast. Then we've got any other business. Just to say that Sesco scored an unbelievable volley in the uh, in the qualifiers or Nations League or whatever the hell has been going on this week in international football. Uh, it was very Marco Van Basten. Oh, lovely. If you get a chance to have a look on Twitter, go oh. have a look at that. Okay. I think Wally is just such a great descriptor. <laughs> uh, okay, so we're Man of the Post, part of the Man of the Post network. So uh, Dave and Simon, Ali and Carl will be back. And Chris as well will be back on Monday to review the games that we've been previewing here. Uh, you can find us at Man of the Post on Twitter, at Man of the Post on Instagram. And Man of the Post, you can find us and give us a like on Facebook as well. Um, you can find us on your podcast app of choice if you uh, like what you hear you can rate and review us and you can subscribe and follow and all your future episodes will fall automatically into your inbox Jesse Loesch if they want to follow you how do they do that on Twitter they go to see Etchingham 77 and ask when my book is coming out well what they would then say they would say go follow at Jesse Loesch and say it's available for pre-order for the 26th of September is it? it is Everyone should make a calendar event. <gasps> yeah, they definitely should. Yeah. Uh, Nathan, can they follow you on Twitter? Yes, I am at FMCM underscore FC. Marvellous. Well, there we go. Uh, guys, thank you ever so much. And always remember to keep your man on the post. <laughs>